everybody. Welcome to Faith and Good Counsel, a show to uplift and inspire women and our families, where we tell you not our truth, but the truth with the sweetness of the feminine, where we talk about ways to live a virtuous life and all of the things that affect us as women in our vocation in whatever state of life we may be in. I'm Stacy Galino, your host of Faith and Good Counsel, and I'm so, so happy to be with you today. I'm really, really excited because today we're going to be sharing some information, some very, very important information about a very tender topic, actually, um, and that is of infertility um, and, and the Catholic viewpoint uh, with regard to infertility, as well as the scientific viewpoint. We're going to have some great guests to speak with us about that. If you're a new listener, I want to welcome you. I hope you'll con- continue to listen. I hope you like what you hear. And let me know that. Actually, you can email me at sgalino at catholiccommunityradio.org. I always love getting receiving emails from you. And uh, you can also check uh, out the Faith and Good Counsel page on Facebook. And you can message me there as well. I really, really appreciate hearing from you. That helps me to plan our shows and to bring you the information that that you're needing. You can also go out to the CatholicCommunityRadio.org website, and you can take a listen to our past shows. We've got them uh, listed there for you. We've got uh, several awesome, awesome shows that you can go back and take a listen to at your leisure. So today we are going to be talking about infertility and the, the Catholic viewpoint with regard to infertility. I mean, what does the what does the Catholic Church have to do with infertility, right? Well, a lot, a lot. And we're going to be talking uh, in the next segment with Angelique Ruhi Lopez and Carmen Santa Maria. Don't you love their names? They're the co-authors of the Infertility Companion for Catholics: Spiritual and Practical Support for Couples. It is an awesome, awesome, awesome book. And we're going to be talking about infertility as an area where faith and reason really can be seen going hand in hand. I don't really see where that's as widely known yet, and that's why I want to to let you know about that. We're going to be exploring the aspects of infertility through that Catholic and scientific lens. And although I know this can be a very, very difficult deep and deep topic, it's really my true desire to provide information that can offer any of you that may be suffering with infertility, great hope and consolation to anybody that's walking this journey. There's so, so much help out there. And I, I do see that as, as um, part of our mission here at um, Faith and Good Counsel. And as always, we do start off Faith and Good Counsel, each show with prayer. And there's a beautiful prayer that I found actually in the book, The Infertility Companion for, for Catholics, by uh, Angelique Ruiz Lopez and Carmen Santa Maria. It's on page 114, and it's the prayer for the intercession of St. Mary and St. Elizabeth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Wonderful Lord, as we read about Mary's visit with Elizabeth, you are reminded, we are reminded, that you are a God of joy and that you always fulfill your promises. We ask the Blessed Mother to intercede for us when we feel discouraged, so that our souls may always magnify you, O Lord. May she remind us of your promises and your faithfulness when the difficulties of life cover us with darkness. Give us spirits that rejoice in you, our Savior, for all the great things that you have done for us and will continue to bestow upon us simply because you love us. We also ask for the intercession of St. Elizabeth, whose child leaped with joy within her at the presence of Mary 
and the blessed Jesus within her womb. May we also leap for joy in knowing that they are always present with us too. Give us the patience and hope of Elizabeth during the barren times of our lives so that we may trust and pray with confidence in God's eternal promises for us. Blessed Mary and Elizabeth, pray for us. And as you know, our patroness of faith and good counsel is Our Lady of Good Counsel. And let us invoke together, therefore, her intercession, the intercession of Our Lady of Good Counsel, asking her to come to the aid of our sisters and brothers who are walking the cross of infertility and pregnancy loss, consoling them and holding them in her mantle and interceding for the graces necessary from her, from her divine son to assist them in their very difficult journey to choose their course in accordance with their salvation. Amen. You know, there's actually several saints who are patron saints for pregnancy and the unborn and for infertility. Um, there's St. Jared, of course. I can still remember being pregnant with my, my first child. And, and unbeknownst to this beautiful woman at St. Alphonsus Catholic Church, I was suffering with a pregnancy complication. And she came up to me and handed me a prayer card for St. Jared. That was my first indication as a new Catholic um, or, or remembrance, I guess, that I could intercede and ask for the intercession of saints for my pregnancy. I just, it was a new concept to me as a new Catholic and I still remember her and I appreciate her so much. And you know what? St. Jared helped me so greatly during my pregnancy and all was well. Thanks be to God. We can also ask the intercession of Our Lady of Guadalupe, who of course is a beautiful, the beautiful uh, tilma of her in Mexico City. And she is pregnant uh, in that apparition and in that uh, image, such a beautiful, powerful intercession uh, that we can ask of Our Lady. And um, I, I love too to turn to Scripture. And um, there's the lament of Hannah that I wanted to just share with you. Um, and this is found in the first book of Samuel, chapter one. And I'm just going to kind of summarize it for you, reading parts of it, but beginning here at verse six, where it speaks how the Lord had closed her womb. Hannah was suffering from infertility. Um, she wept and would not eat. It speaks very much about her lament and her distress. Her husband, um, as many husbands I find um, who are um, suffering along with their wives, they don't know what to do. He asked her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? Why is your heart so sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Her husband was suffering with her, but he's suffering in a different way, trying to comfort her. She was deeply distressed, prayed to the Lord, and wept bitterly. And I love this verse, quote, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give to your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. How beautiful Hannah is begging the Lord for the gift of a child, a son whom she will return to the Lord. And in fact, this is actually what happens. Um, as we read later in the first book of Samuel chapter 1, beginning at chapter 19, uh, or actually verse 20, it says, In due time Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked him of the Lord. 
and she cared for this child. She raised this child. And as soon as the child was weaned, she sacrificed this child. She surrendered this child to the Lord at the age of three, bringing him to the temple. Um, also with a gift of flour and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And she said, Oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord for this child. I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives He is lent to the Lord. The scripture is so, so, so powerful. It speaks so beautifully in the many verses here in the story contained of Hannah and her tears and her begging the Lord for the child and her great sacrifice in returning that child to the Lord. And we know that Samuel was not just any any ordinary child. As a tiny boy, he began to hear the voice of God. Um, which accordingly was very rare at that time, as I appreciated in Israel. But he grew up, if you recall, to be the greatest prophet in Israel's history. So this sacrifice, this self, total self-donation of his mother, Hannah, in cooperation with the, the graces, the beauty and the love of the Lord, was able to give him over and look at what this, how this child served, served us and served um, humanity. You know, there's another um, beautiful prayer in this, the book that we're going to be talking about, The Infertility Companion for Catholics, and it is um, talking about St. Anne and St. Joachim. They are the parents of our Blessed Lady, and I wanted to just tell you a little bit about them. I, I, you know, we often think, of course, of St. Jared of Magella. Maybe we think of St. Gianna Mola. She's a modern-day saint. When we think of pregnancy, uh, loss, infertility uh, issues. Maybe even St. Elizabeth, the mother of, of uh, St. John the Baptist. But often we don't necessarily think of St. Jo- St. Anne and St. Joachim. Well, there's an ancient story dating to the first centuries of the church's life that recalls how Saints Anne and Joachim, who are the parents, again, of the Blessed Virgin Mary, who, like Abraham and Sarah, were scorned by their neighbors because they had no children. Years of longing did not weaken their trust in God, but grief eventually drove St. Joachim into the wilderness to fast and pray. St. Anne, remaining at home, dressed in mourning clothes and wept because she had no child of her own. Seeing her mistress distressed, a servant girl reminded Anne to put her trust in God. St. Anne washed her face, put on her bridal clothes, and went to the garden to plead with God for a child. And this is so beautiful. Angels appear to St. Anne in her garden and St. Joachim in the desert, promising that despite their old age, they would give birth to a child who would be known throughout the world. The new parents ran to meet one another at Jerusalem's golden gate and with a kiss rejoiced in the new life which God had promised would be theirs. They trusted. They trusted so deeply in the, in the word of the Lord. Saints Anne and Joachim are powerful intercessors for all married couples, expectant mothers, and married couples who are having difficulty conceiving as well as all who have grown old. And also for grandparents. I recall St. Anne is a patron saint of grandparents. So how beautiful. We have so many helps within our Catholic faith 
to help us in this in this journey. And, you know, right here in the Baton Rouge area and covering also in the New, New Orleans area, I guess you could say the whole southeastern Louisiana area, we do have um, the great gift of having a NAPRO technologist right here in town. Um, that is Dr. Rob Chasick. And we've got a Creighton model, our fertility care practitioner, um, who can help with the charting, and that is Danielle Van Hout. And we've got the beautiful gift as well of the Women's New Life Center um, at which women can receive these services as well as at Dr. Chasick's office. Um, and, you know, you can actually be taught Creighton model uh, by distance as well. If, if, for example, travel is, is too difficult or work, maybe you're too busy with work, but you can actually learn um, this method um, of charting that can illuminate whether there are any underlying medical issues that are leading to um, difficulties in conceiving. So along with prayer and scripture and invoking the intercession of the saints, there are medical, medically, scientifically sound ways that we can chart, look at how our bodies are functioning, and treat them to um, eradicate, hopefully, the underlying medical issues that are producing these symptoms of um, infertility. So, so much, so much great, great hope. And, you know, also in the book, I want to just point out, before we head to our second segment, many, many resources, lots of blogs and other women, uh, infertility coaches out there. You can uh, check this out at on the book here, The Infertility Companion for Catholics or Catholic Infertility Journey. Dot com and that is the website for Angelique Ruhi Lopez and Carmen Santa Maria whom we are going to be talking to shortly here in our second segment all right so I'm getting very 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 excited to about this conversation you know one other website that I do want to mention is the Pope Paul the six and that's Roman six.com or drhildress.com where you can learn more about Creighton model and NAPRO technology. So I hope you'll stay with us uh, in our next segment here shortly. We're going to be talking with Angelique Ruiz Lopez and Carmen Santa Maria about the infertility companion for Catholics. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Land Campers serves the Gulf Coast of Louisiana and Mississippi and is a proud supporter of Catholic Community Radio. Berryland Campers, online at berrylandcampers.com. That's berrylandcampers.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray Ignatian Prayer Groups are beginning again soon. A free training retreat for men and women will be held on June 1st at St. Pius X Catholic Church. For more information, go to lordteachmetopray.com. When I began this prayer journey five years ago, I had no idea how God would bless my marriage and my children through my prayer life. Keeping my daily prayer time with Jesus is the best way that I can love my family. Go to lordteachmetopray.com and register today. Green Seasons is a local Catholic family-owned business and a proud supporter of Catholic Community Radio. Green Seasons serves the Baton Rouge and surrounding areas with services such as landscape and design, lawn maintenance, and pest control. Online at greenseasons.us.
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith and Good Counsel. I'm your host, Stacey Galino, and I'm so, so, so excited to introduce to you our guests today, Angelique Ruhi Lopez and Carmen Santa Maria. They are the co-authors of the Infertility Companion for Catholics, Spiritual and Practical Support for Couples. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you, Stacey. Such a pleasure, such a pleasure to have you both with us. I have enjoyed this book. I've plowed through it one time, and I've got all these pages marked and you know, <laughs> stickies and notes, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually reading it again, and it is such a, such a treasure. I want to highly recommend this to everyone. But, you know, when, when I, I get a book like this, I always want to know about the authors. So maybe introduce yourselves to our listeners. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Well, I'm Angelique. Um, I am a wife and a mother now. Um, my, my husband and I have been married. We'll be 10 years married this year. Um, I studied journalism and theology, um, and um, we experienced infertility when we first started to try to conceive, and um, God led us to adoption, and we have since also had four uh, biological children as well. And you said four, Angelique? Well, we have five in total. We have five one total. for adoption, yes, and four biological. Oh, wow. Big family. And did, <laughs> yeah. did you recently have a little one? Yes, I was a three-month-old. Oh, a busy, a busy mommy and a busy wife. That's so beautiful. <laughs> and how old, how old is your oldest child? Six will be seven in August. So six, five children at the yes. beginning at age six. Isn't that beautiful? Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Carmen, tell us about, tell us about Carmen. Well, I am also a wife. I've been married to my husband, Alex. Uh, it'll be 12 years next month. And uh, we experienced actually secondary infertility. So we had two biological children, and then we were unable to have any more. Um, and throughout that, you know, through that process, we discerned uh, that we were called to adoption. So we actually adopted twins. Oh. So, yeah, so now we have uh, four children. And um, I'm an attorney, uh, you know, sometimes so, <laughs> in my, in my in, professional life. In your spare I, time, I, huh? <laughs> yeah, in my spare time, I'm an attorney and, uh, you know, wife and mother and uh, faithful Catholics. Oh, so beautiful. Now, how old, I, I missed how old your children are, Carmen. My children, my oldest is a seven-year-old girl, then I have a five-year-old boy, and then the twins are a boy and a girl, and they are 20 months. Oh my, so little, little ones. This is yeah. so exciting. I'm old. <laughs> I'm old and my children, my children are grown. It's just the lament of the empty nest. And so I, I literally get so excited just hearing about families, young families. I remember the, the joyful chaos, you know, of, of having little children at home. And, and it was, it's such a gift though. Enjoy every, every moment. I tell everybody now, enjoy every moment, just like everyone would tell me. And I'm thinking, Hey, I'm not going to live through this. This is, so, <laughs> this is so hard, you know, but, um, no, it's such a beautiful, beautiful, uh, beautiful thing. So I'm, I'm curious and with all of this busyness and this serving, uh, your family and serving the Lord and serving in your profession, what was your, your inspiration, and how did you have time to write The Infertility Companion for Catholics? Well, I think the Holy Spirit makes things possible that we don't think are possible. And, Amen. Um, we, when we first started, my husband and I started to experience infertility, 
I looked around for a resource, some sort of book um, that had maybe combined Catholic teaching with some spiritual uh, support, and unfortunately none existed. Um, There were some blogs, uh, which still exist and um, which are helpful, but sometimes you just kind of want like a one-stop shop of a resource. And I felt God kind of nudging me um, and saying, hey, maybe you should write this. And so I started a little bit of research, but then um, kind of dropped it, and we were in the adoption process and whatnot. But God never really stopped knocking on my heart and saying, hey, this needs to be done. And so then when Carmen, um, she and I have been best friends since high school, started to experience secondary infertility, um, we started talking about the idea of pooling our resources, our research, our personal experiences to write the book. And so we did, and we knew that if it was God's will, then it would get published. And so, you know, the rest is history. That is so awesome. Now, how long, I'm just curious, how long did it take you to write it? Was it something that just flowed freely from you, or was it a struggle in any way? I think it's because the Holy Spirit really wanted it to get written. It got written really quickly. I mean, Uh um, I had started journaling, you know, at some point, and we both had different experiences. I think that helped because we could both bring different perspectives. And I mean, within six months, we were really, you know, pushed to get it done quickly. And our publisher, you know, also was very supportive. And so it was something that, that God really wanted. And, you know, it's definitely a need. Otherwise, it wouldn't have gotten written the way it did. Mm-hmm. That is how the Holy Spirit works. I have found yeah. that in my own life as well. <laughs> when he wants something done, you better hold on. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I I can tell you as a professional myself, looking at this book, again, I highly recommend it. I have loved this book. And you're right, ladies, there was no resource out there. One stop shop, like you said. And this book so meets that need. Um, It's such a it's and it's full of beautiful, beautiful information, certainly prayers and devotion and resources. But if I may say some serious substance of information, lots and lots, it's the fruit of your research and the fruit of your experience. And, you know, we've talked on, on, on faith and good counsel about the good work, the beautiful work that's being done at Pope Paul, the sixth center with the Creighton model and that technology. And that, as you ladies, I'm sure know it, that method seeks to diagnose and treat underlying medical issues that may lead to fertility, you know, such that couples may be able to conceive in a way that's moral, ethical, and within the teaching of the church, as well as being scientifically sound. But still, I find so many couples don't even know that there may be underlying medical issues in their case. Maybe not, but in many, many cases, there may be even multiple medical issues that lead to infertility, and that sometimes secular treatments really don't seek to, you know, try to find the cause and treat it. Can you as you do in your book, you address this. Can you talk about some of these medical causes and how they are diagnosed and treated? Well, like you said, I think that that's one of the the most important gifts that the church gives us and something that, yeah, as you said, no, people just do not know about this. They, they really feel that the only options are these treatments that aren't really even treatments for the most part. They just bypass, um, you know, what's really going on and nobody really gets to the bottom of, of what, why somebody is experiencing infertility or a couple is. I mean, there's all sorts of things that, that come up, such as endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, you know, different things that NABRO technology uses tools, very scientific, of course, uh, to diagnose, like blood work. I mean, the blood work done 
when I did a, an APRO, um, you know, workup mm-hmm. was completely different. I mean, I had to go get my blood drawn every other day mm-hmm. for an entire cycle, pretty much. And that's completely different from, you know, the regular doctor where it was just like, oh, draw your blood once. I mean, they didn't look at my hormones the way an APRO doctor did. And also an ultrasound series, you know, my regular OBGYN just did a, you know, regular ultrasound just once versus the NAPRO physician. I mean, I had to go, you know, every day, you know, to to look at, you know, how everything was progressing with my cycle. And, you know, it was much more thorough. And, you know, also that we even the the information that's obtained, how it's analyzed. I mean, a medical, a NAPRO doctor looks at each couple you know, individually versus, unfortunately, I think a lot of other doctors, it's just cookie cutter, like, okay, this is what we normally do, and I'm going to put you on Clomid, I'm going to, you know, recommend artificial insemination, whatever they're going to tell you, and that's it. They don't really look at that particular case, and NAPRO is completely different. Yes, it's beautiful, and you know, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm having so many thoughts as I'm listening to you explain this so beautifully. One of the things, you know, about, if I may interject, NAPRO technology, it is a, um, a evidence-based medicine taught by, developed by Dr. Hilders at the Pope Paul VI Center, and although physicians do not receive this training in medical school, they can go and do a fellowship and learn, um, and learn this method, so I did just want to put that out there, um, but you know, I'm, I, I posed the question earlier, as you do in your book, what does the Catholic Church have to do with infertility? You know, we're taught to inform our consciences so that we can make decisions that are moral and within the tenets of the church, that richness of the church. You know, especially with regard to the problem of infertility, why is it so important to do so? I mean, you know, maybe I'm, I'm curious to find out what you ladies discovered in your journey through infertility as you research to inform your consciences. Well, I think the church, above and beyond everything else, just wants to protect and defend the dignity of human life. And and it's the dignity um, not just of the couple who is undergoing treatment, but also of the of the the the, the being, the soul that they want to create. And so, um, you know, the church finds procedures such as in vitro fertilization wrong for many reasons. Um, and we have church teachings such as Donum Vitae um, and Dignitas Personae, which talk about why this is incorrect and. And a lot of times maybe we might be inclined to sort of reject, you know, what um, is being said in these documents, or we say, oh, but that's antiquated. But truly, reading the beauty of these teachings, we see that all the Church wants and is for us to have, for every child to be created out of an act of love between, our, between the parents, and that's what every child deserves. That's, what, that, that's what's befitting of the dignity of a human soul. And so the best possible place for um, that life to begin is in their mother's womb. And so, you know, that's just what the church wants us to do is, is to just really look at what it is that is most, um, what most upholds human dignity and, and to go with that. And that's what the treatment that the church wants us to do. Amen. Amen. And I know that requires a, a prayerful opening, discerning heart. And I bet, I bet you ladies in your work and in your talks, I'm sure that you're, you're doing around the country, you, you encounter women who are suffering deeply and who just want a child. And sometimes it's really hard to hear, but I don't want to know what the church teaches. I just want to know what, you know, and in and, and their lament to saying these things, but, but really deeply, I'm sure wanting to please the Lord, but wanting that so desperately wanting a child. You talk about discernment um, in the book and you, you actually give some tools for teaching people how to discern. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? 
Um, well, we um, have been formed with the spirituality of St. Ignatius of Loyola. <clears throat> and um, for us, it's been a wonderful resource and tool for us to be able to come to decisions primarily. Um, St. Ignatius, in his spiritual exercises, talked about um, tools for discernment and rules for discernment. And so we kind of adapted those to the situation of infertility so that couples can have a resource. A lot of times couples are lost, and they think, okay, so there's this church teaching. and cable systems of your area. Emergency alert system equipment that can quickly warn you during an emergency is being tested. If this had been an actual emergency, such as a tornado, flood, evacuation, toxic release, or any emergency that you, the public, should be timely alerted, official messages would have followed the alert tone. This station serves as a vital part of the Louisiana State Emergency Alert System. This concludes the test of the emergency alert system. You give the steps of Ignatian discernment and, and do just that. You apply it to this particular particular journey of infertility, which I think is so, so helpful. It's such a, a, wonderful, a wonderful resource. Well, you know, we're running up a, against a break here. I want to let uh, just remind people again that we are talking with Angelique Ruhi Lopez and Carmen Santa Maria about their wonderful, awesome book, the Infertility Companion for Catholics, Spiritual and Practical Support for Couples. How can people get in touch with you ladies? Uh, we have a website, catholicinfertilityjourney.com, and uh, there we have blog posts, and they can certainly send us a message, and you know we're happy to write back if anybody has any questions or anything that we can help with. You know, This is something we feel very passionate about, so feel free to reach us there, catholicinfertilityjourney.com. Awesome, awesome. Well, can you ladies stick around with us for the for the next uh, through the break and for the next segment? Sure. Of okay, awesome. You're listening to Faith and Good Counsel. We'll be right back in just a few moments. Citizens Bank and Trust is a proud supporter of Catholic Community Radio. Citizens Bank and Trust, online at citizensbankandtrust.com. That's citizensbankandtrust.com. Doctors James Hebert and Jacob Henderson of Central Dental Care would like to thank Catholic Community Radio for fighting truth decay in Central and the Baton Rouge areas. Central Dental Care, 261-6645 or centraldentalcare.com. Catholic Community Radio. Well, I, I think it's filling a need. I think people are hungry for the truth, and I think uh, the, the more professional we can sound and compete with with the others, and you know, in the marketplace, the more people are going to draw in. Catholic Radio for your community. And that's why the Holy Father, he just mentioned the importance of, of Catholics knowing how to work in the media and knowing how to use the media wisely and to use it well. This is your station. The church has for, for decades, especially since Inner Marifica um, with Vatican II, has been on the, on the front lines engaging the culture and understanding that the media are so important. And so I can't, I, I am amazed at the response we get 
just because it's just so humbling to be on, on the receiving end of, of the comments and how people have grown and what they've learned. And it's, it's, it's a phenomenal part of the new evangelization. Call with your donation at 448-3754 or online at brcatholicradio.com. Hi, this is Father Paul Gross, and you're listening to WPYR 1380 AM, Baton Rouge. St. Paul reminds us this day to put on the armor of God that you may defend yourself against the wiles of the devil. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith and Good Counsel. I'm your host, Stacey Gillian, and I'm delighted to be here today with this fabulous conversation. This is wonderful with Angelique Ruhi Lopez and Carmen Santa Maria, co-authors of the Infertility Companion for Catholics. And also, um, you can just check out their website too, www.catholicinfertilityjourney.com, where they also have many, many resources um, for you as well. Welcome back, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. You know, um, I've just been reflecting over the break and thinking about in my former mental health practice, I had the privilege, and it was a great privilege, to treat women from a mental health perspective who were undergoing very significant infertility problems. And again, this was in a secular setting, okay? Um, and this is before my training in Creighton Model and NAPRO and so forth. So I'm receiving women who had been re- referred by their reproductive specialist or their OBGYN, and many of them were suffering debilitating anxiety, debilitating fears, and depression and grief related to this cross. It's really a cross, um, I believe, of infertility. Given, given that both of you women have suffered this cross personally, I'm wondering if either of you suffered in similar ways or whether you could just speak to how the richness of the Catholic faith helped you with your worries, fears, sadness, or whatever emotions that you may have experienced? I mean, I think without our faith, I think it would be extremely difficult uh, to go through this and and bear this cross, because I think our Catholic faith, with its teachings on, you know, redemptive suffering and and our being purified through the suffering that that we endure, I think that's what gives us hope many times. And even if we can't understand why we're enduring something, you know, especially infertility, it can be extremely difficult especially in a society that has such different values regarding infertility treatments, to see, you know, people, other couples go through maybe things that, that we don't think are correct and, you know, achieve pregnancies and have babies and and just continue to have that suffering all the time is very difficult. And without, you know, uniting that suffering to Christ, it, I don't think it would it would really be possible to go through it. So I think our faith is what gives us the tools to to have hope and just really understanding that uh, we may not understand why God chooses something for us, but that He's His plans are better than our plans. You know, that our will isn't the best thing for us sometimes. And we may think, okay, this is what we need. We need, you know, we want to have a baby and this is the best thing, but God knows how He can use this, this suffering to do something good in our lives. You know, like for us, you know, we're able to now teach other people about the, the richness of the Catholic faith regarding these these different treatment options and NAPRO and something that, you know, we're trying to do the best that we can out of something that was, has been very difficult for us and for other people that could be something else, you know, but they can bring something good out of it and just continuing to bring it to God and, and asking Him, you know, to do something with the suffering and, and make something good out of it. 
That is so, so beautiful. And I'm just, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting back. I'm remembering faces and I'm remembering stories of beautiful women that came um, who were suffering infertility and, you know, came because of truly debilitating anxiety, depression, and so forth. And what I had to offer them at the time were multiple medications and lots and lots of love and certainly a therapy. But that aspect of redemptive suffering um, was not part of, you know, the active treatment plan, if you will. And um, this has, you know, been some time ago. And, and the more that I've learned about the integration of, of faith and, and, and mental health, it is vital. It is vital. You cannot create hope. As much as medications and therapy, you know, properly applied can be helpful, you cannot create hope without the cross. You cannot create hope without the faith. And so um, I, I think, again, uh, your book, The Infertility Companion for Catholics, is such a rich tool to help women to frame this this understanding um, of what it is that they're suffering and how to unite that to Christ on the cross and how to be comforted by Our Lady. So beautiful. You know, um, the suffering that is endured in infertility is not just limited to the mommy, the, the, the woman wishing to be a mommy. It also affects a marriage, and you do have a chapter about that, um, infertility's effect on marriage. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, you know, really there's two ways that this can go. You know, infertility can either have a negative or a positive effect on a marriage. And unfortunately, we've seen too many couples be negatively impacted. Uh, there's a lack of communication. There might be um, a temptation if, if, let's say, the infertility is caused by one of the spouses. There might be a, a tendency to blame the other for the fact that they haven't had children. Um, there's a lot of anger or resentment that can build up. And we've unfortunately, uh, partly as a result of infertility, seen the end of a marriage as well. Um, but by the same token, the flip side of that is that it could make a couple that much stronger. When they unite their suffering together, when they pray together, when they serve in the church together, a lot of times helping to serve in, in marriage ministry in the church is what helps to strengthen and ministering to other couples who are maybe walking the same journey. The the need for increased communication, I mean, all of this combined, and it obviously takes effort. It's not easy. You know, sometimes it's just easier to either turn in on ourselves and our own sorrow or um, to just ignore the problem and not really even face it. But when, when the couple faces it together, their marriage can certainly flourish and be even stronger, and they can come out of it with not only a strengthened marriage, but a strengthened faith as well. Amen. And um, for that, the male perspective as well, Carmen's husband, actually, Alex, wrote a chapter in the book yes. about the male perspective, which, which is, you know, men suffer differently in general, and then specifically with infertility. And so just to have that perspective um, is really helpful sometimes for couples, for both the woman to understand a little bit more what the, the man is experiencing, but also for the man to understand, hey, you know, there's other guys who feel this way too. Oh, yeah. And I love that you brought that up um, and that about the, the men. And I love that, Carmen, that your husband had that the courage to write this chapter. Yeah. You know, they do suffer. And they I remember they want you to fix it. OK, they don't okay. know how their wives, they, you know, they're not they're not built in the same way. We are complimentary. I know I'm singing to the choir here, but we're complimentary. And they are, you know, more black and white, certainly empathetic, but they don't experience the emotional upheaval that we experience, the hormonal changes and so forth. 
and they see their wife suffering. They want to fix it. They're our St. Joseph's and they can't fix it. And so I can remember the wide eyed look, please help me, <laughs> you know, right. in my prayer, please help me. So this is awesome that, that he gave voice to the man's side of the suffering um, and that perspective on infertility. And if I can go back to the marriage chapter, I love I'm not sure which of you ladies, maybe you collaborated on this, but the crucifix above the marriage bed. This is so beautiful. One of my favorite, favorite sentences in the whole book, if I may, it's on page 120. The wisdom in having a crucifix over the marriage bed is that we are to die to ourselves to some degree during the marital act and die to the outcome of our relations. I mean, that is profound. That is so, so beautiful. So beautiful. So you know, um, speaking um, of, I guess, the path of infertility, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, you know, in ways that it, it, it's such really a lonesome feeling, a loneliness that, that so many women have expressed. It's a very private, private cross, so difficult for people to talk about. They feel alone, like nobody else is, I mean, does this sound right to you that, that nobody else is really experiencing this and I'm all alone. I'm just wondering in your, in your experiences and in your conversations with women who are connecting with you, what are you seeing as a result of your book? Are you seeing more dialogue? People are more willing to talk more hope perhaps. We think so. We think there's definitely an increased amount of communication. I think that um, there's also less stigma attached to it. I mean, there's still some and, and people have a difficult time with it, but I think that they're, they're, they're finding support. Like there's a lot of blogs, like Catholic bloggers who have um, set up basically blogs that other, you know, other people who are experiencing this, you know, can turn to, and there's a great network of support there. Um, There's even like a Facebook group that, that come up that just people who are experiencing it, particularly Catholic uh, women mainly. And, you know, there's still more support that's needed, but even um, dioceses around the country are offering masses. Uh, some some areas even have support groups at different parishes. I mean, there's definitely a lot of of support that seems to have, you know, grown in the last few years. And I think, you know, I think people are just more willing to recognize this. I don't know if it's also, unfortunately, because there seems to be an increase in the amount of infertility that, that is going on, maybe that's also part of the reason that there seems to be more support. Yeah, and you talk about, um, too, I was really intrigued by, you know, the information that you've um, talked about, I think, both on your website and in the book about help and resources and support at the parish and the diocesan level. Can you talk about that a little bit more as and how, and how we can, at the parish and diocesan level, help couples who are struggling with infertility? I definitely think that um, increased support, um, both you know, at parishes and dioceses, uh, is what I think in many cases helping couples to realize that they're not alone, and helping couples to realize that if they choose the path that the Catholic Church is is so lovingly guiding us toward, that they're not alone in this. And um, for instance, we had a, an infertility mass last year, a mass to pray for those experiencing pregnancy loss or infertility in our own diocese, the Archdiocese of Miami. And we've since also seen um, many dioceses. Some have been doing this for years, and some recently started to do this as well. And it's just a simple gesture to be able to have um, couples experiencing this feel like they are being supported within the church. 
Um, it's also an opportunity for family and friends to come and pray for those who are experiencing this. Um, there have also been uh, support groups, uh, both in person and online, uh, as Carmen was mentioning, um, support groups. One just recently started in our area as well. That really is an opportunity for people to be able to air out their frustrations, their hopes, their fears, but also to be able to um, learn about Sound's Catholic teaching and get resources and uh, be able to share with like-minded individuals who share our values and our faith, and really to be able to get that support. There are plenty of secular support groups out there for infertility, but to be able to get the support from the Catholic Church is really an invaluable tool for couples. Yeah, amen. Again, faith and reason coming together. And I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm. Would are y'all open to having um, people from other parishes, other dioceses, contact you for ideas on how they can incorporate maybe some of the aspects that you've done in, in the diocese there in Miami? Of course, of course. Yeah, because we need to be we need to be on this. We need to spread this all over the yeah. good country and the world. This is so awesome. It's so awesome. And, you know, you mentioned um, family and friends, and there's a, again resources in the book. You know, with again, family and friends suffer in a much different way, and in, indirectly, of course. And in our effort to be tender and to be gentle, sometimes we say the wrong thing. You know, and I love how in the book that you've got a, a whole section on what not to say. <laughs> can can we can we talk about that a little bit? Well, <clears throat> this is a, an area that's near and dear to my heart. I think a lot of people are very well intentioned, but unfortunately, sometimes they inadvertently say the wrong thing, or sometimes they just don't think. And and I think there's such a, a need for empathy in our world. And I think that this is an area where um, family and friends can really learn. And, you know, I think that there might be a tendency to ignore the problem, you know, the elephant in the room, and nobody wants to address it. I was talking to a friend recently who was saying that pretty much everyone in your family suspected, but nobody would say anything. And so that sometimes makes it harder for the couple. I think that what family and friends can do is is ask that couple, you know, is something going on? Is there something you want to talk about? But also respect the fact that the couple may not want to. Right. Um, They might not be ready, or they may just ask for prayers. But just simply saying, I'm praying for you or um, offering to take them out and distract them, Um, you know, offering them resources. Sometimes they may be confused in the process of trying to find out what way to take, whether to adopt or whether to pursue treatment, helping to have them see what the church teaches on this area. So beautiful. Be helpful. The point is not not to ignore it, you know, and, and to let really the couple lead the way in terms of what they feel comfortable sharing or doing. Amen. Amen. Angelique and Carmen, it's been such a privilege to have you both with us on Faith and Good Counsel. I hope you'll come back one day sure. soon. Thank you. Tell yeah, us again yeah, how how we can get in touch with you and get your book, The Infertility Companion for Catholics. Um, the book is available through our fantastic publisher, Ave Maria Press, at their website, AveMariaPress.com, or also Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, um, and um, as well as hopefully your local Catholic bookstore. Um, We also have the website, www.catholicinfertilityjourney.com. And we have a new Facebook page as well for the book. So if you just did a search for the Infertility Companion for Catholics, um, you can see upcoming events and things that we post on our website as well. Beautiful. God bless you both for your work. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time on Faith and Good Counsel. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Just as the Father who has life sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so the man who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. 
unlike your ancestors who ate and died nonetheless. The man who feeds on this bread shall live forever. Scripture Highlights, brought to you by Greg A. Kennedy, CPA, 225-292-5112. Catholic Community Radio is a listener-supported apostolate, but we do have sponsorship opportunities for business owners. I'm here with Louis Prejean, Director of Development. Louis, if I'm a business owner that wants to support the mission of Catholic Radio, what do I do? Yeah, basically, just give me a call. You know, I'd love to hear from you. If you're a business owner or a business manager, you know, and you're looking for more visibility within the community, give us a call, and you can reach me anytime at area code 